Hey, y'all out there. This is Bo Billingsley, the voice of Jet Black and the Fourth Raikage. You're listening to The Night Nerd. Stay tuned because all kinds of good things will be happening. Welcome to the Night Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, Lance. It's Thursday, so we're going to talk a little bit of history. All week, we've been celebrating The Undertaker, Mark Calloway. His birthday was back on March 24th. He turned 54 years old. Happy birthday, Mr. Calloway. Uh, I'm not going to call him Mark. He, no, he chokeslammed me or something. Mr. Calloway. We've looked at The Undertaker in uh, cartoons and comics and video games and all that kind of stuff. But today, we're going to look at himself, like, look at The Undertaker and his life and his career and everything. So, he was born in Houston, Texas, on March 24th, 1965. He has four older brothers. Um, He went to high school down there. He played football and basketball because he's always been a tall guy. He graduated in 83 and went to college in Lufkin, Texas on a basketball scholarship. And then he went to the Texas Wesleyan University in Fort Worth, where he majored in sport management, and he played basketball. And then he dropped out to focus on a career in sports, and he thought about playing basketball in Europe, but thankfully that didn't happen, and he went into wrestling. So his wrestling career started... In like '86, he was training under a guy named Buzz Sawyer, who been around for a long time. Um, really, it's one of those guys that was a hard worker and everything. But Undertaker didn't really like him because he felt when it came to training, he was just didn't have the commitment and stuff. Uh, everybody, you know, was excited to train with him because of his legacy. But then when it came down to it, oh, it didn't happen. And he, he started wrestling, he wore a mask, and he, he went by the name Texas Red. His first match was June 26, 1987, for World Class Championship Wrestling. And he lost to Bruiser Brody. Uh, even then, from the very beginning, he had a, a ringside manager who, his, at the time, his name was Percival Pr- Pringle the Third, but we know him knew him as Paul Bearer. That, so he's been around since The Undertaker started. And that's a friendship that just came around for, for a long time. Then in 1988, he joined the Continental Wrestling Association, which would go on to be part of the United States Wrestling Association after Jerry Jarrett bought him out and everything and made him into one. And then he showed up there, and his name there was the Master of Pain. And his backstory was he just got out of the federal penitentiary in Atlanta. He was there for five years in solitary confinement because he killed two people. And that was, you know, his backstory. So his backstory has always been, like, this big, scary, bruiser guy. And then after his uh, second match, so the dude just fought two matches, he's in the ring, and he challenges the heavyweight champion to a match. Well, the champion at the time was none other than Jerry the King Lawler. 
and he just waylaid him until um, one of the managers jumped in and called it off. So they're going to have an official match, and Undertaker won, and that was his first championship. So right now, we're in 1989, April, like April 1st, 1989, 30, almost 30 years ago, 31 years ago. Dude been wrestling for less than two years and won a like major professional wrestling championship. He held it for a little while, and then Lawler beat him. And in all of his matches, win or losses, Lawler was the first person to actually pin The Undertaker, which is kind of cool. And then he went on to perform as a guy named The Punisher, and he won the WCWA Heavyweight Championship um, that later that same year, 1989. Then in, in the end of 1989, he went to WCW, and he was a villain, and he was Mean Mark Callis. And Terry Funk kind of helped him come up with the name and everything. And he wore all of his black. Um, and it was funny because, you know, this is 1989. And to make him seem scary and evil, JR said that he had pet snakes and he listened to Ozzy Osbourne. Because that's, you know, what most people thought scary people did back in the late 80s. He was part of the Skyscrapers tech team. And made his debut, he made his actual debut in January of 1990 and went on, um, fought the Road Warriors. He was a big tag team guy until his partner left WCW. Well, after that, um, he kind of went out on his own and Paul Heyman, who would go on ECW and WWE fame, um, kind of took him under his wing and helped him out and do a lot of stuff, but he wasn't happy. And most of that stems from the fact that Arn Anderson, who, I mean, we all, we all know Arn Anderson, um, sorry, Ole Anderson, not Arn Anderson. He's they're They're related, but, um, Ole Anderson, who was doing the booking and stories and stuff straight up told him that nobody would ever pay money to watch you perform. So, he had wrestled Lex Luthor and lost and did all this stuff, but he reached out to WWF and was like, hey, what are what are we thinking? And even Paul Hyman was kind of a middleman there and trying to help him out because he could see the potential that The Undertaker had. He knew, like, this guy was the real deal, and he there was, there was something special about him. Well... In one of his last matches at WCW, Callaway actually had a dislocated hip. Uh, and this was at the the Great American Bash. But he knew that Vince McMahon and all the WF people were, you know, putting their feelers out and watching him and trying to figure out if it was worth bringing him over to their organization. So he wrestled with his dislocated hip. I've never dislocated a hip. Uh... I bet it hurts just being normal on it, but wrestling a whole match, that's got to be miserable. They saw him, and they agreed to a meet. They're like, all right, you know, we'll sit down. We'll we'll talk to you and stuff. And they decided to, to sign him. So he told WCW, that's one thing I've always heard, always read about The Undertaker, is that he is 
super professional. Like he's the the man backstage. And we'll get into that later on as far as like his role in WWF. But he told WCW, hey, I'm I'm leaving. And his final match was September 7th in Amarillo, Texas. Before he left to go to WWF. Um, but little side note, while he was with WCW, he did wrestle a little bit for New Japan Pro Wrestling. And his name there was Punisher Dice Morgan, which was strange. Um, but he would leave and he would go and join the WWF in October of 1990. This was the dawn of a new era and an era that we're going to talk about tomorrow. Where, uh, yeah, The Undertaker, you know, I wanted to dedicate a whole show to just his WWF stuff because it's so prolific and so amazing. But I wanted to lay the groundwork and talk about his early days and WCW days and everything. So it was, it was really cool. Honestly, I don't remember him in WCW, but I didn't really watch wrestling in the 80s. I was like four or five years old, so that's okay. If you remember The Undertaker, though, uh, from WCW, let me know, like, what are some favorite memories? Or if you've gone back and watched him, you know, on YouTube or on apps and things, I, I would love to know. Let me know in the comments below here on SoundCloud or on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. Uh, you name it, we're out there. Just look for The Night Nerd. Or you can email me, nightnerd at thenightnerd.com. But otherwise, that's going to do it for us today. Again, my name is Lance. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.